You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome to Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin, along with Jesse, and we are the Trump-inspired political podcast. We've been gone for a while, but now we are back, and boy, do we have a lot to talk to you about today. Jesse, take it away. You know, it's crazy. Go away for like a month, and suddenly the world turns upside down. Uh, So much going on, but really want to focus on just a few things today because uh, some of these things are so important they need to be focused on. Um, This Brett Kavanaugh thing has been going on for a while now. I think most of our listeners know he was nominated to the Supreme Court by Trump back in July. Uh, One of the reasons he was nominated by Trump is because he has very strong views on not indicting a sitting president, uh, and he's probably very detrimental to the Mueller investigation. Gee, Uh, can't imagine why (laughs) Trump had nominated him. Yeah, got, got to push this guy through. I can't imagine why. Um, he's been accused by several women, uh, most notably uh, Christine Blassie Ford, a uh, 51-year-old professor at Palo Alto University in California, of sexual assault while they were going together in high school. Uh, he went to an all-boys school. They went to, she went to an all-girls school, but uh, the two groups would meet and hang out, and uh, she claims that something happened. Not good. Yeah, she has since gone on to earn a Ph.D. in educational psychology from the University of Southern California. And perhaps this career was spurred on by her experience in the summer of 1982. I can only imagine, uh, you know, how she felt and how she reacted to that. Uh, she claims that Kavanaugh groped her over her clothes, grinding his body against hers, uh, and clumsily attempting to pull off her one-piece bathing suit and uh, the clothing she wore over it. Uh, she also said that Kavanaugh put his hand over her mouth when she attempted to scream for help. Uh, that sounds terrifying. Sure does. And she's been quoted as saying that he she thought he might accidentally kill her in the process. So, you know, a terrifying experience. And, you know, we can all certainly feel for somebody who has been through such a thing. And, you know, in this 21st century with the the Me Too movement that's taken place over the last year or two, you know, we really are in a different place now to take in this kind of information. Whereas 25 years ago with Clarence Thomas, You know, we were still in that very male dominated society that didn't really pay any attention or heed to the women and their cries for help. Now, Kavanaugh has obviously denied these allegations, but it brought into question whether he should be a nominee at all. Uh, It's been said over and over recently that as a nominee uh, to probably the most important position in the country, because a president can only serve for eight years, uh, they're there for life. Uh, So to someone who's going to be nominated to the most important position in the country, uh, it's his job to prove that he deserves that position. It's not our job to prove that he doesn't deserve it. Um, you know, this isn't a court of law. It's not innocent until proven guilty. Uh, he's a lifetime appointment. I, for, it's, these days, it, it's one thing when this was first created and people were dying early. He could theoretically be there for the next 40 or 50 years. Uh, Congress needs to get this right, no matter how long it takes, no matter what they have to do, because it's that important. And the question really becomes, can someone be a judge with a history of such poor personal judgment themselves. And and again, as you said, this is not a criminal case. And we're not trying his guilt at this point, statute of limitations being what it is. He's not going to go to jail for this. But it is calling into question his judgment. And this one in high school, some people would write that off as a pass and say, boys will be boys. I believe that's unfair to begin with. But also, he's got other people who have, you know, alleged charges against him too that, 
He's done this repeatedly. So can someone with questionable judgment, should they be in the position of the Supreme Court? You know, we all do stupid things in high school, but we don't all sexually assault people. So you can't use the, oh, boys will be boys. It was high school. No, I mean, when you're in high school, uh, you're old enough to know what's right and what's wrong. And that really talks about what kind of person you are. Uh, you know, people want to say that Ford is, oh, she's making this up now that he's uh, nominated to the Supreme Court. But she has therapist notes from 2012 uh, when she was in couples therapy uh, where she talked about the psychological effects of this happening. Um, you know, it's not like she's playing the long con where she thought maybe one day he'll be on the Supreme Court. So I'm going to start talking about this six years before it happens. That's just stupid. She's taken a polygraph test, which is administered by a former FBI agent, and it concluded she was being truthful. So there's no real reason to think she's lying especially with what this is doing to her life. Oh, but you know who does think she's lying? Who? That'd be the president of the United States. Oh, what do you have to say? Well, you know, of course, he hit Twitter uh, as <laughs> soon as all this kind of came out. I have no doubt that if the attack on Dr. Ford was as bad as she says, charges would have been immediately filed with local law enforcement authorities by either her or her loving parents. I ask that she bring those filings forward so that we can learn date, time, and place. Mm, he's clued in. Really, Trump and the Republicans just have a fundamental misunderstanding about how these situations work. We're not women, so we'll never truly know how it feels. Uh, but these situations can be embarrassing for women. They feel ashamed, even though they did nothing wrong. Uh, they can be called liars. I mean, just look at what these Republicans are doing right now, or at least um, Republican supporters. Um, they can be blamed for causing it or allowing it to happen. You know, Why do you have to wear such a short skirt? You were, you were asking for it. Um, it can leave a stigma on them for the rest of their lives. They're left uh, with this horrible decision uh, to make when they, they're the victims and they have to pay, uh, deal with a lot of the consequences. I mean, we see a lot of similar stories popping up right now. Uh, Ronald Reagan's daughter, Patty Davis, came out and said she was sexually assaulted in 1976. She did nothing wrong, but she said that she felt alone, ashamed, disgusted with herself. You know, why didn't she get out of there? Why didn't she do more to stop him? Why did she freeze? And it's, that's, that's how a lot of women feel. And the GOP just doesn't seem to understand that. No. And as you said, Republicans seem to have a fundamental misunderstanding. And perhaps, and this was clearly and painfully obvious in the hearing this week, because the Republican Party is full of old white men. Mm -hmm. What do they really know and understand of what happens with sexual assault geared towards females? They're from the generation where you know, women should be seen and not heard. I mean, I don't want to do a blanket statement, but you know, they're, these guys are 60 to 80 years old. Uh, these are guys who are from a different time who maybe don't understand how times have changed. You know, things have always been wrong, but now we're finally coming out and saying that these aren't acceptable. I mean, heck, Kellyanne Conway actually came out today and said that she was a victim of sexual assault. And, you know, I, will Trump ask her why she didn't report that? Uh, it, it's a horrible thing to hear, even from someone I dislike. Um, but, I mean, that should give people in the White House and in the GOP uh, you know, pause to think, you know, this can happen to a lot of different people, no matter their background. And a lot of times they react the same by not saying anything. Well, and the president questions why charges weren't filed sooner, you know, 36 years ago. You know, if they really pay attention and they look at what happened this week, you'd see that it's because, you know, why are we going to bring charges forward when we're going to be questioned skeptically by people like those in power? You know, they, they don't get the benefit of the doubt. They're the victims in the situation, and yet they're grilled as if they're the criminal. It's, it's just sad. 
Uh, Kavanaugh's friend, Mark Judge, or at least his friend in high school, as they claim, they claim they don't really talk to each other that much right now. Um, he was uh, named by Ford as a witness, designed this took place. But if you look at his book called Wasted Tales of a Gen X Drunk, uh, there's a mention of someone named Bart O. Kavanaugh, who was getting blackout drunk. Come on, I wonder who that could be. Brett Kavanaugh, Bart O. Kavanaugh. I mean, he's not even trying. No, not really. And did he really deny that it happened or he just said he didn't recall? So we're getting a lot of, I don't recall this event. That's very different than mm. a denial of it. Well, that leaves you plausible deniability. If you say, I, I don't recall, you're not saying it didn't happen. You're just saying you don't know. And he doesn't want to come speak before uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee. They don't seem to think they have to. They say, oh, you know what? Uh, he's given a sworn testimony. That's enough. Well, so did Dr. Ford. But that's not enough for them to believe her. Yeah, further proving that they don't really care what Brett Kavanaugh has done in his past. They want to steamroll right ahead and get him on the Supreme Court. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with drinking a lot in college. I mean, we've had former presidents who've done that. I drank a good amount in college, too. It's been 15 years, but, you know, we all were there. But Kavanaugh was trying to cultivate this persona of being a, a good little boy who just went to church and, and didn't do anything wrong. Um, and for some reason, by the way, he has a calendar from 1982 that – doesn't mention the party, but claims, and he claims it's proof he wasn't there. And, you know, even if that is truthful, what kind of psychopath keeps keeps a calendar from like 36, 35 years ago? That's ridiculous. I don't know, but I think it's funny you said you were there 15 years ago. I would say it was more like, you know, in the last seven years, I can recall sometimes, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, of, of all those times, you know, there's, I think, one time I can remember where I was actually blackout drunk. You were there, and, you know, I, I, and even then I didn't sexually assault anybody because, you know, that's not who you are on the inside. You know, you, you have to be a certain kind of person to do that, whether you're sober, drunk, or whatever. And that says a lot about the character of Kavanaugh, assuming this is, this is true. I mean, look at some of the – what if some of his classmates say? They really go against his, his squeaky clean image. A uh, woman, Liz Swisher, who was a self-described college friend of Kavanaugh, said, Brett was a sloppy drunk. I know because I drank with him. I watched him drink more than a lot of people. He'd end up slurring his words, stumbling. There's no medical way I can say that he was blacked out, but it's not credible for him to say that he has no memory lapses in the nights that he drank to excess. Uh, you also look to uh, former his former Yale classmate and current University of Wisconsin history professor Stephen Kachelwitz. He said, contrary to his assertion that he remained a virgin for many years after high school, during our freshman year, he described losing his virginity. So you know, his credibility is up there. Yeah, again, there's nothing wrong with drinking in college. You know, Many of us have been there and done that, but it does tend to lead to poor decision making. And, and we've got to leave that in there as a possibility. And more importantly, it shows that he's for lack of a better term, full of crap, that, he, that he's either lying to what, to us or he's lying to other people. And I don't think that's somebody that you want on the highest court in the land. Um, you know, and it's not just Dr. Ford. There are other people that come out and you know, a lot of people are trying to put their believability into question. Um, but Ronan Farrow, who, you know, God help anybody gets a call from Ronan Farrow saying he's doing a story on you these days. It means you're in big, big trouble. Um, along with Jane Mayer of The New Yorker, uh, published an article about a woman named Deborah Ramirez who attended Yale with Kavanaugh. And she alleges that Kavanaugh exposed himself to her and thrust his penis, as she, that's her words, uh, against her face uh, after they had both been drinking at a college party in the 1983-1984 school year. Um, Stormy Daniels' uh, lawyer, Michael Avenatti, tweeted out that he represents a woman um, who has, been, has credible information 
regarding Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge. She's since come out, although some people are now saying that she has a history of being litigious. So, you know, who knows? But, but again, it's enough to raise some questions and put some doubt in your mind. And that should be enough to maybe go to somebody else on the list of Trump's uh, potential Supreme Court nominees. Sure. It at least bears, you know, having the FBI investigate this. And uh, as we learned uh, this week, that will be happening, but we'll get there in a sec. Uh, So we've just been talking for the last 10 minutes, and that's basically all the pre-info to what just happened this week. Finally, the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, held a hearing on Thursday where both uh, Kavanaugh and Ford gave statements and answered questions. And it was really interesting for me to watch a lot of this because when I worked in the Senate Finance Committee, it was directly across the hall from the Judiciary Committee. They actually sat into some Judiciary Committee hearings. So that hallway they were showing all week was where I used to work many, many moons ago. Um, but if, if we watch this and it was tough to watch, I had a lot of people texting me saying, are you watching this hearing? And I'm like, I am. And you know, they really didn't want us to watch it, but you, know, you gotta, sometimes you have to watch difficult things. Um, to me, Ford's testimony uh, was credible. She came off in pain. You looked at her, she was often apologizing for being nervous or if she didn't understand a question, uh, she didn't want to be there, but you know, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do because it's the right thing. Uh, what did you think about her testimony? Well, I, you know, I think it was painful to watch. I do want to say something though, Jesse, you weren't the only one watching it maybe on your work time because according <laughs> to Forbes and several other news outlets, there were over 20 million viewers, uh, for the, the hearing in which, uh, Dr. Ford and Brett Kavanaugh testified. So it got high TV ratings. People wanted to see this. And I think it's because it resonated with people, especially for women, that this mm-hmm. is a case that has happened for so many women in our country. And, you know, this was somebody kind of speaking out on their behalf. And it it really garnered a lot of attention, and rightfully so. I think that she did come off credible. You know, I was moved by her testimony. Uh, I believe it because I I believe all the reasons why someone would hold that in for all this time. I understand that in a male-dominated government, in a male-dominated society that we've had for so long, that women don't really have the right or believability when they come out and speak out against uh, somebody who has assaulted them. So, you know, I, I really feel that that was genuine. And kind of the sad part of this here, I mean, there were many sad parts, but uh, sad is in related to procedure is that the Republicans of the committee were too afraid to ask their own questions. So they hired an Arizona prosecutor uh, by the name of Rachel Mitchell to ask them instead. And she had like a, she had like one of those little desks I feel like we had in elementary school. And it was, she was kind of in the well in front of uh, the kind of the horseshoe uh, table with the senators sit on. Uh, to me, it was a mistake. Uh, it made the GOP look like they were afraid of and not doing their jobs. Uh, Mitchell's questions were primarily trying to catch her in a lie, although she wasn't being contra- confrontational, which I don't know if the Republicans would have been confrontational, but they may have pushed back a little harder than than Mitchell did. Well, uh, it was not a good idea. There again, they knew that it was bad optics to have these old white men questioning her given the situation. Kavanaugh, however, when he came out, was the exact opposite. He came out angry and loud. He essentially yelled at at Democrat senators and was confrontational when asked a question. He filibustered a lot. He talked a lot about how he likes beer for some reason. Um, and I like beer. I still yeah. like beer. I, I, do you like beer? I like beer. Do you ever drink them? And most importantly, I think he lied. Somebody's lying. So, you know, there's, there's good reason to believe that it's him. But it's even the things that he lied about. I mean, there are things, I don't know if you can call it smart lying, but it's things 
you know are a lie, but you can't prove are a lie. Um, he said he never blacked out from drinking. We've already talked about people saying the opposite. Uh, anybody who's you know, been of a certain age knows. And we're not talking about like blacking out and like being a lunatic, just blacking out and like going to sleep or something in college. You know, something as simple as that. He says that never happened. Um, I don't I don't think that's truthful. I think that's a lie. Again, uh, we've many of us, so many of us have been yeah. right there in those situations. Minus and, the sexual assault. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he lied about his yearbook. Uh, he referenced something called the Devil's Triangle, which he claimed, I think the Senator Whitehouse asked him about it, claimed it was a drinking game like quarters. Google it. It's not. Yeah, no. Uh, we're, you know, too much of a gentleman to talk about that. Um, he claimed that boofing means flatulence. Google it. It's not. Um, the yearbook said that Kavanaugh was the Beach Week Ralph Club biggest contributor, and he claims yeah he had a weak stomach, so he threw up a lot, not because he threw up from too much drinking. Yeah, that sounds realistic. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, why would he be the Beach Week Ralph Club? Why would he just be the, the king of the Ralph Club normally if he's always thrown up everywhere? Um, the Orioles, Red Sox, who won anyway? He claimed you know they didn't know the winner not because they got too drunk. Because, you know, they were at a party watching it and then just started talking to each other. So they uh, forgot – they didn't know who won the game. And for some reason they thought that was important enough to put in uh, the yearbook where everything else is about drinking too much. That makes sense. I would say back in 1982, probably the Orioles. They were coming off a World Series win around that time. Yeah, man. And if you're down in the – you know, that area, you're going to be watching that game. Uh, and then there's a, I, I, I watched it on TV. I don't even know. It's either Renata or Renate, but it, it was like Renate alumnus. And he says it referred to a great friend of theirs. Uh, but there are 14 references to this woman uh, in the yearbook. And they all kind of intimate that she was, that she slept with them. Uh, there was one person had like a little poem that says, if you need a date and it's getting late, so don't hesitate to call Renate. Um, but, you know, no, she's just a good friend of theirs that she was mentioning, and that's such BS. Again, you know, this is not just a blanket indictment of all men because all of us aren't this way. But we were all teenage boys at one point, mm-hmm. and we are all well aware of the types of behavior exhibited by some of our gender. You know, we've been there. We've seen that. We, we've, you know, so again, who does he think he's fooling? And even if... You know, you talk this way around the guys. You know, I, I would say things to you, Kevin, in college I wouldn't say in front of, you know, my parents or women. You're just like joking around like an idiot. Locker room but I would talk? Never, yeah, locker room talk. I would certainly never say that stuff in a yearbook. I would certainly never say that stuff to people I, you know, that I might offend or, or that might take it seriously. I mean, there's, there's a difference between saying a joke, oh, I think someone's really cute to my best friend. It's a different thing just to be crass and, and just tell anybody. It's, it's, I don't believe him. I just don't believe him. And the, he said it was such righteous indignation that if Dr. Ford came out and spoke the way that he did and treated senators the way that he did, she would be this unhinged woman who, you know, has emotional issues because he's a man, you know, a privileged guy who you know, was rich and had every opportunity in his life. It's okay. It's just him fighting back and being angry. And can we even begin to imagine what would it would be like if he were African-American or Hispanic? Would he be given oh. this kind of benefit of the doubt? I don't believe so at all. You know, Anything, if anything, it showed in his behavior at this hearing that he doesn't have the appropriate judicial temperament to judge other people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust if, if I went to a Supreme Court uh, with a case uh, on something that I know that he was fundamentally against. I wouldn't trust him to be impartial and follow the law. I'd 
think he'd follow his emotions. Uh, and probably the craziest thing was in his opening statement. Uh, I'll read these are these are his words again in the opening statement. He claims that the sexual misconduct conduct claim is, were a calculated and orchestrated political hit fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump in the 2016 election, fear that has been unfairly stoked about his judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in monies from outside left-wing opposition groups. I mean, that's a quote. Those are words that would make Alex Jones proud. Mm, yeah, it certainly was. And it made me a little leery of having somebody who's already thrown out their political leanings to a position that is supposed to be apolitical. I mean, will they will they leave the Clintons alone? I mean, like, it's not like with the woe is the poor Clintons, but it's just like, good God, Hillary lost the election like two years ago. Get over it. Yeah, but it's you no, know, they're they're coming out because they want to fight for the Clintons. Uh, as far as I can tell, uh, nobody elected really cares about the Clintons anymore. They're just trying to figure out how to win seats back in the 2018 election in 2020. But no, it's it's all about the Clintons. It always is because that's the boogeyman that they can get their base worked up about. Um. As you mentioned, throughout this entire hearing, he was angry towards Democrats. He was highly partisan. And I don't know how you elect someone like this uh, if you actually do what you're supposed to do and not just want to get one of your guys, someone on your team on the bench. Um, so that was that was Thursday. That was enough. That was that was an insane Thursday. That went on all day. Um, I was exhausted by the end of it. And then Friday, the committee was going to vote on what to do next. Um, and you know, successful vote obviously would send it to the Senate floor, uh, where there'd be a final vote among the entire body of the Senate. Um, earlier that morning, Jeff Flake, who was, you know, you look at the people who could possibly vote against, uh, Kavanaugh, Jeff Flake, uh, he, you know, he's a judicial conservative, but he doesn't like Trump. Uh, he's, he's gone against him several times. Uh, you have Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, where a large portion of her population are openly against this for many reasons. You have Susan Collins, who's always kind of a swing vote. And then even on the Democrats, you have Joe Manchin in West Virginia, who's a red state Democrat, who's uh, possibly facing a tough re-election campaign. So these are the folks that we're looking at on whether this will pass or whether it won't pass. So uh, as I was saying earlier, Friday morning, Jeff Flake announced his intention to vote for Kavanaugh's appointment. Uh, and soon after, live on CNN, he was actually confronted by several women uh, as he was going into the elevator, uh, painfully and angrily telling the stories about their abuse and how much they mirror Ford's and what she's going through. Uh, and if you saw uh, Flake's face, he, he looked conflicted, pained. He couldn't look them in the eye. He, he, he looked like he knew what he was doing was wrong, but he was doing it anyways. Right. You know, and it came down to an 11 to 10 party line vote. So as it was, we were completely divided. And you're right. He looked completely pained and knew that he was in the wrong, but because of party, even this man who has kind of bucked his party at times over the last year or two, you know, he was coming down to a party line vote. And, you know, you mentioned the not being able to look in the eye. One of the women did call him out for that. He said, look me in the eye when I am talking to you. This is part of the human empathy that a senator or any representative person in government should have. You need to be able to empathize with your constituents who are demanding of you that you do something to fix some inequity in our system of law. And and these women have potentially changed history with their actions, okay? Because after that, Senator Flake flip-flopped. <laughs> well, you knew something was going to happen because I'm not mocking him. He looked like he was going to cry. 
when he was sitting there, like he just like couldn't handle what was happening. Yeah, he flip flopped, and it really caused like insanity to ensue. Uh, you know, they're sitting around, gonna vote on this. And then everybody goes nuts. Uh, everybody got up and left. There's people talking with people, uh, senators talking to other senators, flakes meeting with the other possible flip votes. When they came back, he announced uh, that he would advance the Kavanaugh nomination to the full floor, but he wanted a full Senate vote uh, to be delayed for at least a week while they have an FBI investigation into these uh, allegations. Uh that was that was big. I, I was I was actually cleaning my house at the time on my lunch break, and I look something's happening. What's going on? And the people watching, the people reporting on CNN had no idea what was going on. It was, it was truly a crazy moment that I think I'll probably remember for a long. I mean, it, I think it's probably the craziest thing that I'll remember since the thumbs down John McCain vote on on the healthcare. It's, it's one of the things that'll kind of be etched in your mind. I happened to be watching it live on a planning period at school. And uh, happened to see the moment when Flake, Senator Flake, stood up from his seat and motioned to his friend Chris Coons, who's a Democratic senator from Delaware, and kind of said, like, come here, you know, one of those gave him a you know, flick of the finger, come here. And they went out and they left the, the meeting room, the committee room, and went out into the hall because he wanted to talk to him about what he was now planning on doing. Um, which, you know, uh, flickers of bipartisanship, I hope, you know, that's what's for the good of the country. And I believe that what he did in the end was right, because at the very least, uh, these women, this country deserves a full investigation to know whether or not this is credible enough for us to not vote for him to be confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. And it should also be noted that four Democratic senators uh, in protest walked out of the meeting. Mm -hmm. uh, that would include Rhode Island's Sheldon Whitehouse, Connecticut's own Richard Blumenthal, uh, Maisie Hirono from Hawaii, and Kamala Harris of California. Of course, this prompted uh, President Trump to lash out against our, our very own Richard Blumenthal and reminding us all <laughs> once again that he misspoke about being a Vietnam veteran. Well, yeah, they, what they say about Richard Blumenthal now is what they used to say about Chuck Schumer, that the most dangerous place in, in Washington, D.C. is between a camera and them. Um, it, it was very telling also that Obviously, they were against it, but there's a lot of righteous ang anger from some folks who are likely to be running for president in a couple of years, uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. And, you know, if you're going to start running for president, I guess, what better time than now when this minute's – I wouldn't even say dividing this country because a majority of people in this country are against Kavanaugh. So they have the country. They have the people on their side. So why not? Go ahead and do it. Good kickoff uh, for yeah. them. Uh, so even though they they voted with a stipulation, I mean it didn't really. There's nothing holding into that stipulation. It really would have been up to Mitch McConnell, uh, but Mitch McConnell and as well as President Trump have come out endorsing it uh, because you know they can't piss off Flake. You piss off Flake, you're going to lose the nomination. Uh, that's likely just how it is. Uh, so now we see what happens next. Uh, I mean, I said I think Murkowski is a no based on what her constituency wants. Uh, Collins, who the hell ever knows? Um, I, I've said it before in this podcast that she's like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. Mitch McConnell is like Lucy, just pulls it out from every time. She she gets promises, and then they screw her over, and then she just does the same thing the next time. Um, and then Flake has said that uh, if nothing else is found by the FBI, he'll vote to, to approve it. So I, I think the betting market, I was listening to a 538 podcast, the betting market's, have it at like 
that he'll be uh, that'll be approved. But who knows what happens in the next week? Do more people come out and say that he did something to them? Um, do the, does the FBI find credible information? I mean, we just have to sit here and wait, and it's going to be a, a roller coaster ride. Two weeks ago, we wouldn't have known that this would have happened. So there's no telling what could still happen between now and the end of next week. Um, you know, it's also it's important. We've been on the the women's issues that relate to Judge Kavanaugh, but it's also important. You mentioned uh, Senator Murkowski of Alaska being a no based on what the constituency wants, constituency wants, not only based on women's rights, but also Kavanaugh's feelings and his pre, uh, prior rulings on the indigenous population, which is a big part mm-hmm. of Alaska's population. So it's not just about women's rights up there. Murkowski owes her good citizens of Alaska a no vote in this situation. I was actually having a back and forth with one of our listeners, Sean, um, who also has a podcast, and he's obviously on the more conservative side. We're on the more liberal side. And, you know, one of the things that we really could come together with is that, you know, it's, it's all nonsense. You know, they're, they're all – I mean, I'm no giant fan of Chuck Schumer either as much as I don't like Mitch McConnell. Um, but one of the things we, we brought up that if some of these GOP senators didn't uh, vote for them, they may face a, a primary challenge. And, and I said that Murkowski already had a primary challenge I think back in 2010, and she lost. And then she ended up having a writing campaign and won the general election. However, with everything you just mentioned – uh, I, I would be more concerned with losing the general election if you have a lot of the indigenous population not voting uh, you know, for her way because she screwed them over. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And by the way, um, Trump just tweeted out something again. Uh, and you know, of course, it's very partisan. It's uh, against the Democrats. And let me pull it right up here. He said that, wow – just starting to hear the Democrats, who are only thinking obstructing delay, are starting to put out the word that the time and the scope of FBI, the FBI is looking into Judge Kavanaugh and the witness is not enough. Hello. For them, it'll never be enough. Stay tuned and watch. And, and sorry, that wasn't the most eloquent reading. Uh, the tweet was not the most eloquent tweet. So, oh boy, oh boy. But you, by the way, did you watch, um, did you watch SNL last night? I have not seen it yet, but I have heard the buzz of the cold open uh, based on Kavanaugh. Yeah, it was uh, Matt Damon played Kavanaugh. It was it was pretty good. And then Kanye West was a lunatic dressed up as a Perrier water bottle singing some song. And then later on wore a MAGA hat and then get, had a rant at the end about Trump and they cut him off, I guess. it's a, uh, I'm not really a Kanye West fan, even political views aside, but whatever. A couple of guys who, you know, love to have their 15 minutes of fame, you know. Hey, and, and as, as we know, uh, when we were going to college at our university, Kanye West, who was just up and coming, came there, and uh, may I say, there was some debauchery happening. So, or from what we hear, at least, I didn't see it. From personally. what we hear, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we a mutual friend of ours apparently saw something. But anyway, <laughs> moving off of that, uh, it's one of those things that you think the week can't get any crazier than it does. Earlier on in that week. Trump spoke at the UN, and I thought, oh my God, this is as crazy as it's going to get this week. Um, he spoke before the United Nations General Assembly, and they laughed at him. Uh, he started off by saying, in less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country. And at that point, some of the world leaders started to laugh. Then he added, so true. And they started to laugh some more. And uh, you know, Trump was kind of caught by surprise when it came to this, and he said, I didn't expect that reaction, but okay. <laughs> okay. We were literally the laughing stock of the world. It's 
it's sad where we how we fall. I mean, it is a country we love, but Jesus, we are the laughing stock of the world. And and even back in 2014, Trump tweeted out, "We need a president who isn't the laughing stock of the entire world." As he's trying to go after Obama, he's literally the laughing stock of the we world. We are there right now. And you know, in true Trumpian fashion. Uh, his people are trying to uh, spin it as though they weren't laughing with – they were laughing with him, not against him. You know, some of these world leaders don't like to clap, so they laughed and said, like, what are you talking mm. about? Yes, laughter is is sure uh, – it's a, a wonderful substitute for clapping, especially in the United Nations General Assembly. That's usually how you show your appreciation there. Oh, my God. It's, it's sad. Uh, you know, like most things, Trump claims, he has to be the best. Everything has to be the best. You know, there are a lot of situations where if he just said, hey, you know, we did a great job or it was a good job, he wouldn't have gotten much crap. Like, whatever, every president says that. But the fact that he has to be like, oh, you know what? Um, I, I got coffee this morning and it was the best coffee you've ever had. No one in, in the history of the White House has made better coffee than my administration. Like, it's that kind of That's obviously um, being a little silly. But that's how it is. Everything has to be the best. If he just could get rid of that nonsense, he'd get a lot less crap. But he can't uh, because he's Donald Trump. Yeah. And just look at the, you know, it doesn't take some deep diving to find other presidents like Lincoln or Grant or Wilson or FDR or Reagan, who, you know, you may not like all of them or any of them, but they dealt with a lot of stuff and accomplished a lot of stuff, uh, certainly more than Trump in his current administration. Yeah, Lincoln held a country together literally during a civil war. Trump is driving it apart. Yeah, he's causing a new civil war, man. Uh, boy, uh, you look at the things that Trump and his administration have done. Most of them are negatives that he touts as positives. He pulled out of the Paris Climate Accords. He uh, started a war with China, or he started a trade war with China. He's closing up to Kim Jong Un. The other night in West Virginia, he said that he and Kim Jong Un fell in love. Did you see that? He goes, you know, they, they were writing letters, eloquent letters back and forth, and they fell in love. Well, not- and the Democrats are going to try to spin that, but you know we found like Jesus. He's saying this dude who's like a genocidal madman. He says he's fell in love with them. Well, now we know it's not true though, because he said it was an eloquent letter. We know this president can't speak, you know, and write beyond a fourth grade level. Yeah, you know what? This is a very terrific letter. Uh, it was terrific meeting you. Everything was very terrific. Um, these are things that you shouldn't be bragging about. Uh, you know, it just drives me nuts. So he literally also said at this uh, UN meeting that uh, we reject the ideology of globalism and accept the ideology of patriotism. And I'm sure that's what everybody there wanted to hear. Uh, you, know, you can be patriotic and still embra- embrace certain aspects of globalism, uh, but the Trump ran his entire campaign and is currently running his administration on, uh, you know, it's us versus them. It's America versus the world. We only care about ourselves. Yeah. Like these other world leaders give a hoot about our American patriotism. Mm. No, they don't. I mean, I mean, the UN you know, has its issues, no doubt. You know, there's been a lot of bureaucratic BS over the years. There's been corruption, uh, but we all benefit from having everyone together at the table. Uh, the Americans are in a better place when the world strives to be like us. When they look to us as you know a beacon of light, not when they loathe us and think we're a bunch of morons. Which, you know, just think about how we were viewed on the world stage following the Bush administration. And how good it got over the next eight years with President Obama, who, by the way, I can say that I didn't vote for him. So it's not like I'm kissing his butt all the time. This is a guy I didn't vote for, but I can recognize how the good he did to our view across the world. And now it's just all gone in the crapper again. 
Kofi Annan must have been rolling over in his newly dug grave uh, <laughs> after this week with Trump at the UN. It really was just you, you cannot put into words what any good upstanding American should feel after witnessing what took place. You know, Kevin, globalism isn't perfect either. I understand that we don't want jobs going overseas. We want Americans to have jobs. But this isn't like a zero-sum game. You can work with aspects of both, but you know, Trump's mind is black and white, good and bad. As we said, us versus them. And as long as that's the case, uh, we're going to be – I don't want to say the enemy of other people in the world, but we're definitely not going to be uh, the close allies to many of these countries uh, like we were in the past. Well, and the president certainly had no problem with his own businesses going overseas. I mean, isn't that why he was in Russia getting peed on in the first place? Allegedly. <laughs> So, I mean, and he also had, after this, a really crazy press conference at the UN where he 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 lied a lot. He said he had like fifty two percent of the women vote, which is that's a white women vote. He had um, he he just says lots of things, and he he spoke to a Kurdish uh, reporter and called him Mr. Kurd and said the Kurds are great. They love the Kurds. They're great fighters. It was it was so stupid. Um, Can't make it up. We've said this before. When Trump's only kind of a lunatic and not a full blown lunatic. People are like, wow, look, he's really measured now. That, that's where we are in this world. When he's only kind of crazy, that's, you know, hey, we're clapping for him. Good job. Good job, President Trump. Oh, my God. So much going on. So, okay, we're going to try to get back to more of a weekly schedule. Things have been super nuts for us, and we really do apologize for not uh, being here uh, more often. I, I went on vacation for a week, and while I was in Cape Cod, someone got eaten by a shark, so there was that. Um, Kevin, being a teacher, went back to school. Uh, we are both uh, involved at the local level politically, as you all know, so the campaign's been ramping up here, so it's just been nuts for all of us. But, you know, you're our listeners, so we owe you a podcast every, probably every week if we can. So uh, I hope you guys stick with us. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Did you forget about yeah. me, Jess? Oh, yeah. Tell us about Kevin's Corner this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, this week brought us some of the most riveting events to come out of Washington in recent memory, which is saying something. While the president often acts and speaks in a way that draws attention, often leaving a slack jaw, his behavior as president pales in comparison to what is at stake with the confirmation of Kavanaugh as a Supreme Court justice. We are dealing with a lifetime appointment to the highest court in the land with the power of judicial review and the ability to change the course of progress for generations to come. We must believe that an individual on the bench is of sound mind and an impartial judgment. Recent events give us reason to doubt that we will have that in Brett Kavanaugh. Despite the events of the hearings, we must be reminded not to be caught off guard, lacking the vigilance necessary to refute an agenda that will prove disastrous to America. While we were watching the brave testimony of Dr. Ford and the temperamental rantings of Judge Kavanaugh, the president was laughed at while representing us on the world stage. People of both sides of the political aisle were still flooded out of their homes in North and South Carolina. Children were still separated from their parents at our southern border. Puerto Rico still struggles to recover from the devastation of Hurricane Maria and our government's lack of assistance. And Flint, Michigan still goes without clean drinking water. We, as a people, must remember that this is not normal. We must not let down our guard. Our attention spans cannot afford to be so fleeting. November is just a month away. We must remember that to change the course of history, one of our most powerful tools is the ballot box. Indeed. I can't believe the election is so close. 
I hope this is a much better election than the previous two. That's all I can say. I can't handle a third sad one in a row where I just kind of crawl up into the fetal position for the next day. I'm going to save my judgment of that until November gets here. So that's uh, we'll wait and see what actually pans out. Don't want to speculate. <laughs> we will. All right. Remember to go to our website at grabthembythepod.com for all of the links and goodies you need about us. Uh, and until the next episode, which will be much sooner than the last one, it's been fun, Kevin. Later. Later.